Holy Spirit says, if you will trust in me, you will not look to other means to bring resolve. I will be a great mighty force. I will be an answer for you, says the Lord. You have looked and you have sought for me in many different streams, but I am here in this place this morning. And if you will look at my strength, it will be yours. If you will look to my words, they will be your promise. If you will lay upon me every burden and care, I will show you my power, but you must submit to me. You must surrender to me. You must lean upon my words, my power, and you will see great and mighty things. I am here to do a mighty work among you. I am here to show myself powerful. If you will but trust me, I will show you glorious things you do not know. With me for the reading of God's word, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to... Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 3 and then we're going to jump down to verse 15. This is our text for the series that we're in that we've started. Series back to the book. And as you know, how many were here last week again? So you know all about this Bible. I'll, I'll do a little bit of a recap on what what in the world's going on with this and why are we paying so much attention to it um, but God has been man the series we're in is back to the book and God has just messed me up and I appreciate all of you that on Facebook and Instagram you wrote little comments saying you were really messed up pastor <laughs> thank you <laughs> so one person got my comedy relief and the rest of you are looking at me like okay Anyway, turn to somebody, smile real big, and say, he's so comical. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here we go. Ready for this. I'm ready for the word. We had great service, first service, and I'm believing the Lord to touch us now as we look into the word of God. Ephesians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. I mean, I feel like maybe about 150 of you ought to took off running when I read those words. To understand, to comprehend what the Word of God says. How many of you know the Word of God is not just a book? It's the inerrant words of God. God breathed, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Don't matter what the world says, there is no error in this word. You can count on it. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed who? us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Oh my goodness. Man. If that don't cause you to run through a troop and leap over a wall, then you're dead as 4 o'clock in the morning. I hope you set your clocks forward. Yeah. Ephesians 1, 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him oh y'all don't even know where I'm going that's why you don't know that's you don't know what you don't know man verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened now this is what he's still praying he said I'm praying for that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding or your heart be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints oh that's such good stuff and get this one this is the best one and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe 
according to the working of his mighty power. How many of you know many of us are living well beneath, well beneath the standard that's been set for us in glory? But it's going to change today. Father, I ask your blessings on the word of God. Move me out of the way and let this be rich in the hearts of your people because, God, you are messing us up. You are wrecking us as a congregation, and that's a good thing. Because, Lord, we're being turned inside out, upside down, and you are giving us an insight into a knowledge and a revelation and a wisdom of you that's going to change the course of this church and it's going to change our community going to touch our loved ones and we say it done in the name of Jesus Christ by your word and we declare it by faith in Jesus name everybody said amen amen hands together clapping give God praise amen amen you can be seated don't worry about it I'll stand for the next hour listen to what the NIV says it's the same part going to verse 17 says, Paul writing, he says, I keep asking, I keep asking. And he said in verse 16 in the KJV, he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you. But in this NIV version, in which I like to compare the different versions sometimes what they say, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. How many of you know we need to know God better? You need to know God better than you do. You may not realize that, but maybe if with the Lord's help and the Holy Spirit's anointing, you will know that after we get done today. So that you may know him better. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We don't even know what we don't know. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. He said, I keep asking. I keep praying. I keep seeking. I keep wanting God to help you to gain wisdom, revelation. Revelation is revealed. It's something revealed to you that you had no idea about. He says, I'm giving, I want you to have wisdom. Wisdom is to know what we already got and realize what it is. So he wants us to know the word and he wants us to have a revelation of the wisdom and strength and power of God the Father. And I think that is an awesome prayer, and I've been praying that prayer over you and me. been praying that over our church, over our ministries, over all we do. That we will get out of the way and stop letting religion and ritual and all kinds of tradition keep us back and hold us down. I'm ready for God to turn us upside down and lead us into a new and refreshing revival. This church is 103 years old, and I'm believing that the best is yet to come. I'm believing that the glory of God will be risen in this house, and we will see mighty wonderful things, and God's going to help us. I'm believing that. But it shows us where we, we come through last week. If you, if you don't know what happened last week, this Bible is 103, 100, no, it, it, it's, it was used 103 years ago. It's actually about 120 years old. It's been written in from beginning to end. It's got all kinds of notes down the sides. This was owned by Reverend J. Wilson, which is J.D. Wilson, the very first pastor of this church who preached and held revival and built this congregation back in 1915. And he preached revivals in such a way that it took a church that was meeting on the front porch of a little house on Auburn Street and turned it into this sanctuary 103 years later that's meeting in two services on Sunday morning. That was a revival. That was a powerful move of God, an assignment, a task that God had on, on a little man. I didn't know him personally. But I got his Bible. And the Lord showed me picture after picture of 
what he was wearing and where he was preaching and how he was taking the words out of this truth and praying for people that built this church. And to me, that's sacred. How many of you know it's right to honor our heritage? That's all I'm doing with this. Somebody says, you're in, you're worshiping that Bible. No, I'm not. I worship the God of this Bible. And the sacredness. I, I hold this sacred to me. Some folks want to go to Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia, and they want to look at the Declaration of Independence behind a glass, and they want to say, oh, that's so awesome. And it is. I've been there. I saw the chair where George Washington sat. And I was like, Georgie sat in that chair right there. That's awesome. I love history. I love to touch it, feel it. I tell the story about a piano that Mozart gave to Queen Elizabeth, the other Elizabeth. And he gave it to her, and, and I was in the Buckingham Palace on a tour way back when I was in London years ago. And I walked past it, and I was just like, the lady was just like, oh, yes, this was given to Queen Elizabeth by Mozart. And I'm like, cool. And we walked past it, and there was no rope. There was no glass. There was no nothing. And she's just like, yes, Mozart gave it to her as a gift, and it came to the Buckingham Palace. And I'm just like, oh, how wonderful, as I walked right past it and touched it. I had to touch history. I had to. I had to. I love history. I love the sacredness of what this represents. I haven't been able to let it out of my sight. This morning, we put it down here by the cross at the altar, and it was going to be there, just beautifully displayed. And as soon as I started preaching, I went down and grabbed it because I'm possessive of this thing. It's, it's wrecking me. It's changing my life. It, it stayed at my house all week long. Don't worry. I'm not going to keep it there. I'm going to let it be seen here at the church. But for right now, it's messing me up. So I need it, and I'm praying with it, and I'm holding it, and I'm preaching with it. My Bible's right here, and I placed it right down here in the pulpit, and it's safe. It's right here. This is my Bible. But I, I want to hold this Bible because this one just means something to me. It's a little sacred. How many of you know it's time for us to get back to honoring the things of God and honoring the things that God has given to us, re- recognizing and realizing the things that he's brought and given to us as the church and, and telling you when we understand the importance, and I preached last week about the Word, the power of the Word, getting back to the book, back to the words of this book, getting back to why we do what we do, why do we lift our hands, why do we have uh, in this house, why is there gifts in operation in the church, why is it so confusing out there, you know why, because so many churches have dropped all the old, the, the teaching of the real Word of God, they've dropped teaching doctrines, they've dropped teaching things that are important for us to understand. That's why the church, the modern church is so full of confusion. You don't know from one church to the other what you're going to catch when you, ca- when you go in there. But when you understand and know that if we get back to the book, the book teaches about the power of the Holy Ghost that will come upon you once you have received Him. That you'll be a witness to the whole world. The power of God that comes through this book. The words of this book. It'll heal you. It'll restore you. It'll deliver you. It'll be miracles to your family and to your life. It'll change everything in your life if you'll trust in the words of this book. I'm not asking you to trust in the church of God. not asking you to trust in the preacher. We have way too much celebrity worship going on in the modern day church. Don't worship me. You don't anyway, so there you go. (laughs) Don't believe in all that stuff. The church has gone mad. Back to the book. Back to the book. Back to the truth. Back to Pentecost. Back to holiness living. Back to standards of righteousness. Back to things that are not right. You can't, you can't, you have to be in obedience. How many of you know obedience is important to God? Knowing obedience. And when we understand and we get back to the truth of the word, it it changed Judah. If you remember, the greatest reform and greatest revival took place when little King Josiah, who was eight years old when he took the throne and about 18 years old, had the heart of his grandfather David. And he wanted nothing more than to understand why was David so die hard for Jehovah when they had already, because they had gotten away from the book, because they'd gotten away from the truth, 
They had literally gotten to the place where they would set up in the temple, worship altars to every other god, all kinds of different gods, Ashtira and Baal. And we preached about this last week. It was like you being able to come in here and just cash in and drop an offering at different places in the altar so that you could worship whatever god you want. But that's not, they had gotten so far away from the truth that they had gotten themselves in error. And the, the countryside was cursed. And everywhere they went, there was nothing that was right. Their sin had been rampant in the church. And all they could see was confusion and chaos, death and violence and immorality. Sounds a lot like America. Sounds a lot like America. But they had gotten so far away from it. But a return back to the book. A return back to the book brought revival. And I believe we're seeing a return back to the book, which is bringing a new and refreshing revival to us. A confidence and a trust in God's holy word. Some folks won't like it. Some folks will be uncomfortable. I've learned to understand and know there's a lot of times people are just not comfortable with who we are. That's okay. I have to get, as a pastor, I have to get to the place where I'm going to please God before I worry about pleasing you. I'm not interested in filling up a church and watering everything down so everybody feels comfortable. When I came to Christ, he offended me. He let me know I needed something. Everything wasn't right in my life. When I came to the Lord, I came guilty. We don't have guilt in the church anymore. We don't have trouble in the church anymore. We don't come in sorrowful and repentant anymore. We come in saying, ah, you better please me, and he better be like a genie in a bottle. He better show himself. He better put on a magic act for me if God don't straighten up. And that's Z formation. Is that what y'all do? If God don't show me, uh-uh, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to follow him. He better perform for me. God owes me. I'm sitting back wondering God, if God's going to show himself. Let me tell you something. God don't have to show himself to anybody. He made the heavens and the earth. Gave you the breath in your body and the heartbeat you got in your body and your chest right now. He is a God of great power. He's sovereign. He's on the throne. He's in control. And there is not a human on earth that can make a deal with God. How many of you know God don't make no deals? He's got one deal, and that was his son. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He made the deal of a century, a, de a deal of the universe when he gave his only begotten son. That's the only deal there is. And there's only one way for you and I to get God's attention and to have an audience with him. And that's if any man will come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus is the only door. The only door. Make up your own door if you want to. But it ain't going to lead you to nowhere. Is this all right? But he prays. And as we're looking back to the word, we're, we're looking back to some biblical teaching. We're going to get back. We're gonna, you're going to hear a lot of scripture. Hope you're okay with that. You're going to hear lots of scripture. You're going to hear a lot. We're going to teach to what do we believe stuff. We're going to preach on doctrine. We're going to preach on things that are important to us that will raise us up. The Great Commission says, go into all the world. And we like that part. Baptizing. Teaching. All things that you've been taught. Well, we need some teaching. We need the word of God. We need to know what we don't know. We need to know what we don't know. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in the church in these last days. Amen. But Paul, when he's leading us from Ephesians and he's telling us about the promises of God, the word of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, it leads him in his example to us is praying, prayer, praying. I pray without ceasing. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, I pray without ceasing. I cease never to stop and, and give thanks for you. I, 
when I hear about what you're doing, I, I pray for you. I pray, I pray, and I pray that he will open the eyes of your heart. I pray that you'll be enlightened. I pray that you will know the hope to which he's called you. I pray that you will know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I pray that you will come to know his incomparably great power for everyone who believes. He says, I pray, I pray, I pray. It reminds me of Sister Hazel Landry, as I mentioned in the first service. She got up at the old Harlem Park building, this wonderful, precious, godly woman who's still serving the Lord today, and she is down in Tennessee somewhere, but she still loves God with all of her heart. She got up one Sunday morning at, at the old Harlem Park building. She had a beehive way up here like this, and she just turned around, and it was so awesome because she didn't say a whole lot, but what she said was powerful. She said, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know, and she didn't even get no, not much farther than that right there. She said, I know that I know that I know. And about on the fourth, I know, people started jumping up and people were shouting and people were running. The aisles were filled and the woman just continued to say, I know that I know that I know that I know. It was Paul who said, oh, that I may know him. That I may know that I know that I know. That powerful statement right there, it'll take you all the way through every valley, every mountain you've got to climb, every troubled sea you've got to get through if you know that you know. And Paul said, I want them to know. I'm praying without ceasing that they will come to know. You see, so many people have got such a shallow view of God, a shallow knowledge of God. They don't know him like they ought to. Most people live in this very experiential place with the Lord. But before I get into that, I want to show you a prayer, a prayer that, that's so important. The prayers that you and I have been given in the word of God are so powerful. They're precious. They teach us. Prayer, Paul has set an example that prayer is the language of the heart. You can tell a whole lot about people who pray. Listen to me, you can tell a whole lot about people who pray. You can tell about their spiritual condition by how they pray. Because lots of people, they say a lot of things. But when they pray, their heart's revealed. You can hear someone's heart. I love to listen to people pray. That's how I learn to pray myself. One of the reliable ways. There's only two, I think. There's one real reliable way that I've learned how to pray, and that was listening to others pray. In my life, I listened. I used to listen to Brother Watkins as he would pr pray over here in the corner. And he would pray for a solid hour. And I could tell you the words he'd say. I could tell you his prayer list. I knew exactly how he was going to go, what he was going to do first. He'd start glorifying and honoring and lifting up God and worshiping God and praising God. And then he'd get after a little while, he'd start thanking the Lord for all of his mercies and all of his grace. And he'd just worship him and thank him for the things he's done for him. And then he'd get to his list last, which that don't happen a lot. Usually that's the first thing we do. He'd get to his list last. I used to love to listen to him pray. My mother, my mother was someone who taught all six of us kids how to pray. She prayed everywhere, living room, dining room, kitchen, cooking macaroni and cheese. It didn't matter. Mama was praying. She would pray with a spoon in her hand. She'd pray when she's working out in the yard. She's cutting the grass one day, and she was just running up and down the ditch, just cutting it. And all of a sudden, she stopped, and hands were going up like this. And I was like, oh, there she goes again. Worshiping in the firmament of his creation. She taught us how to pray. She'd do her devotions in the living room floor. She'd do them in the dining room, in the family room, wherever. She never hid away. The only time she'd hide away is when she was interceding and praying for her babies. And each one of us, well, I'd slip by that door. I'd just listen in close to find out what all she knew. And I was surprised at how much she did know. She'd get to... Oh, Lord, I pray for my baby Ray. I pray for him. And I'd be like, oh, what does she know? <laughs> Thankful for those prayers. Thankful for those prayers. My mama taught me to pray. Lane Sargent taught me to pray. I'd climb up in the balcony of the old Harlem Park building, and he'd be down in the altar, and he'd be going to town just praying, and I'd listen, and I'd Every word he said, I would just listen over and over and over again. 
Elvin Lawson, an usher from this church. I used to come in here at the 6.30 prayer meeting in the mornings years ago, and he'd be over here in the altar, and he'd be praying, and I'd listen to every word that he'd say. And he just would just knew exactly how to pray, and I would emulate, and I'd say, Lord, I want to pray like Brother Elvin. You see, that's okay because we know in Scripture the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, how did he do it? He didn't go into a long dissertation and give him 10 steps and tell him to buy his video series. He just turned around and he said, here's how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever ever, amen. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Worship the Father. Honor the Father. Hallow his name and glorify him in all that you do. Pray for his will and his purposes to be done. He was giving us not a prayer to just recite. He was giving us a model, something for us to follow. It was something amazing to lay it out. The model is so perfect. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Let What's happening here on earth reflect what's happening in heaven. Let's try to bring the two together. Boy, that is an effort, isn't it? That's a desire for us today to try to do everything we can to have a church that looks a lot like heaven, that talks like heaven, that looks like heaven, that acts like heaven, that acts like this word. We're to love and forgive and be full of grace and mercy for every man, woman, boy, and girl. What it would be like to go to a church that truly, truly looks just like heaven. Every race, every tribe, every nation, just like heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day, not once a month, not once a week. He says every day, like manna that comes from heaven, we need the strength of God, the presence and the power of God. We need to be in the presence of the Lord to where we can be strong in him and the power of his might. We need to know that we have got that connection and that relationship. Let me tell you, if you don't have a prayer closet, if, you, if you're not praying, I said it last week, if you're not in this book, don't tell me you're right with God. Don't tell me you don't have a problem. And I'm just saying it boldly because I feel the anointing of the Spirit. If you don't have a study Bible and you are not in that thing every day trying to find time to get in the Scripture and put it down inside of your heart, meditate on it, think on it, eat on it every day, meditate in the night on it, give it to your children and let them know it too. If you don't have that going on, don't tell me that you're doing right and you're right in the sight of God. You have got a problem and you need to get on your face with God. I could probably go on out the side door right now. But I'll add something to that. Not only do you need a study Bible, and I'm thankful for the people that, man, what testimonies we had from last Sunday. I had a lady come by the church. She said, Pastor, give me a recommendation. What kind of study Bible should I get? And I said, let's talk about it. And we did that. I had others who got online and said, Pastor, I'm buying me a new Bible. I'm buying a new study Bible. What should I get? I've been recommending all week long. It's been great. One man walked out of here, felt convicted. His study Bible had been missing for several months. And he said, God... Show me where that Bible is. I just feel convicted. I need that Bible. And apparently he went out, found the Bible that afternoon before he even got to the house. He got already showed him and revealed to him where it was. We had that. Then this week we had a lady come in. I didn't know her from Adam. She's walking across the lobby. She was an older lady. And I said, can I help you? And she said, yes, I'm looking for the Bible. And I said, excuse me, you're looking for the Bible? You mean the the Bible, the The 120-year-old Bible? Yes, yes. That was my grandfather. I am his granddaughter. And she said, I I heard all the way from Florida. Somebody in Florida was watching online and heard about this Bible and ended up calling her. She drove all the way down here, got in the church, was trying to find somebody who could take her to the Bible. I took her in there, let her hold her grandpa's Bible. She wanted it, and I said, no. I said, but you can take a picture of it. And then just to prove I was a good guy, I said, now you hold this Bible. Let me take a picture of you holding this Bible. You hold this Bible in a photo. You can print it out and keep it close by. But it's staying with me. (laughs) Wonderful week. Wonderful. Get back to the book. Back to the book. Back to the word. Back to the truth. But you know what the next step is? Learn how to pray. 
a conviction. I said, if you're not in the word of God, don't tell me that you're as healthy as you should be in God. Don't tell me you're in a right relationship with God. You're weak and you're fragile in him if you're not in his word. And if you don't have a prayer life, if you're not praying, getting in the secret place, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, in him will I trust. This truth, this word, this place of secret place of being in the presence of Almighty God, that is your bread and butter. That's where you'll have the, the power and the strength and the right mind. You don't know what you don't know. And when you get in the presence of God, it'll change you. I was changed and transformed. I went down to the altar kicking and screaming. I went down saying, Lord, I can't give up my worldly friends. I can't give up on my activities. I can't give up on my lying I'm doing to my mama. I can't give all that stuff up. I'm having fun, Lord. I don't want to give away. I don't want to do this. I went down there, got gloriously saved, turned upside down. He turned me inside out. I went back up, sat in my seat, and I was sitting there laughing. And with one of my friends, Pam, she was there, and she, she said, what are you laughing at? I said, I spent 30 minutes fighting God about going down there and right now I don't care about any of that I don't care about any of it my being in the presence of God being in prayer with God it changed my thinking it changed everything I am transformed not because I'm so good I'm still a bad guy in myself but oh get me in the presence in the secret place of the most high and I become a son of the living God adopted and grafted into the vine that's me when I have the power and the presence of God at work in my life, when I've got that relationship, when I'm praying. Praying. Prayer is what does it. Prayer is what takes you into the deep level place with God. If you don't pray, you're, 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 you're standing in shallow water. Well, I just, I don't know, Pastor, I just never can get a prayer answered. Check your word life and check your prayer life. I've seen answers to prayer that will blow your mind. He's proven himself to me I don't know how many times. I would have to be a hypocrite to sit back and say that God wasn't real. If I ever got discouraged and stood off somewhere and doubted God, I'd be ashamed of myself. Because he has proved himself, shown himself mighty and powerful on behalf of every circumstance I've ever been in. I have always been able to pray through to the place where God revealed himself and his wisdom. And he showed me exactly what to do. Like a maze, he has led me out left and right. All the way through every crisis, every trial, not just 9 out of 10, but I'm telling you and testifying, 10 times out of 10 times, he has always come through for me. You've got to stay the course, fight the good fight, and keep the faith. And as you do that, you'll find your way all the way through it. I guarantee it. Never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. He'll take care of you. Check your life. Oh, but pastor, that's not the way to build a church. Pastor, you better be careful. You're going to run people off. Pastor, settle down. Don't offend people. We want to come to church and feel good. We want, we want everything to be right. I want that in the flesh. Sometimes my spirit says something else. Sometimes I need to know that I need something, that I need to change. Sometimes I need to feel conviction. Sometimes I need him to show me where I'm in error. It was Josiah and his kingdom. They had gotten so off track. They had gotten so far away. They hadn't had the law. It was locked away somewhere, hidden in a shelf, hidden in a box somewhere. They didn't even know what they were doing or why they were doing it. But when the book came out, Josiah wept, fell on the ground and said, this is the truth. That's why they keep Sunday, the Sabbath day. That's why they honor their mother and their father. Oh, we're not supposed to kill. Oh, we're not supposed to steal. Man, these are things we didn't even know. All these things we're not, we weren't supposed to do. Oh, we shall have no other gods before me. Uh-oh. 
And when they finally got the words and they got the book and they got an, an understanding of where they were and what they were doing wrong, he repented in sackcloth. He tore off his kingly robes because he didn't feel so much like a good king anymore. He got down in a humble place and he got down where he could be changed and transformed by God. And boy, do we need that today. We've got so much ego in the church. We've got so much conceit and arrogance in the church. Everybody's got to have a ministry. Everybody's got to have a title. Everybody's got to be honored and recognized. Let me tell you, there is no honor anywhere but to glory and to honor in Christ and Him. He alone deserves all the glory and all of the praise. If you've come here expecting honor and, and you want I mean, we believe in honoring. Don't get me wrong. We say thank you. We believe in that. But if you come expecting that, you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church. You can go to heaven from another church. I ain't got time in this evil, wicked, horrible world to put diapers on Christians. I'm just going to leave that right where it is. Two reliable ways to learn how to pray, and one is to listen to others who pray, and the second one is to study great prayers of the Bible. David's prayers for forgiveness. How many times as a young man did I hold up Psalm 51 with tears dripping down my face and read that out loud to God and say it was me, Lord. Clean me, wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Clean me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, forgive me, Lord, my troubles are ever before me. How many times did David's prayer reflect my own prayer? Psalm 25, Psalm 32, beautiful prayers of David. Solomon's prayer of the dedication of the temple. Can I tell you one day I walked up and when I first became pastor, I walked up and down the aisles holding Solomon's prayer over the temple. And I prayed that prayer of dedication over this building. I wanted God to know this sanctuary was a place for him. And I've also come back many times and prayed, 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Then God says, I will put this place on the map, and I, my eyes shall continually be upon her. Now, I'm telling you, there is a way to assure there's power. There's a way to be absolutely positive that we are pleasing the heavens. There's a way to know that you're walking in victory to where you can call out the declaration and the promise of God and know that you know that you know that you know that you know it's going to be all right. There's a way to know all that because he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. we got to know him, though. And that was the part of the prayer of Paul. I'm looking at the clock. Okay, i got to go. Gary, start playing, and I'll land it real soft on page 11. Heart of the prayer. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's the whole prayer. Paul is saying, he wants us to know him wants us to know him, to have knowledge of him. You see, people think they know him. There's three levels of knowing God I want to leave you with before we go today. Three levels. The first level is the level of what I call encounter. We encounter God. Somebody sang a song and it touches us. We watched a movie on TV and it just tears touched us. We're drawn towards God. We're we're moved by a sermon somebody preached, and the preacher calls for somebody to pray, and we're like, I want to pray. When I was young, man, I got saved at every revival. I got saved every year at youth camp. got saved at camp meeting. I'd get saved, and then I'd get up and go right back to my life. But sure enough, they'd sing another song, and I'd be like, oh. I was moved. I was having an encounter with God on a regular basis. It's level one. Level two. It's where most everybody lives. This is where the majority are. We call it the Pareto Principle. 80% of the people live right here. Be careful that you're not one of these. They go to church. They join a small group. They're in Sunday school class. 
They listen to sermons. They read the Bible and other good books by Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen and whoever else is out there. Jensen Franklin. They read all them books. They love them. They even go to Christian college or seminary and learn about God. Many people live right here. They're satisfied to live out their lives with what I call an experiential level. They experience God. They go to church. They listen to sermons. They join a team. They'll even minister. They, but they live in this experiential. Everything's based on experience. Everything's based on how good it's going, how everything answers to prayer. If things are going well, it's good. If things get a little you know, terrible or if things go off track a little bit, they, in the depths of despair, they're, all, they're in the altar. The devil's just in the room. Like, oh, glorify the devil. Not really, I'm kidding. They live in this experiential place. They have just enough of God to be miserable. Just enough of God to live like a roller coaster. Emotions are up and down every day. You never know. One minute, ooh, glory to God. Next day, pray for me, brother. It's just terrible. Experiential. That's level two. There's a deeper. There's a place. Jennifer, sometimes it takes, it takes some hard, hard roads. But there's a deep, deep place where you can know that you know that you know that you know. Deep place. I call this the level of knowledge. You know him. You know him. You're not just religious. You're not just somebody who goes to church. You're not somebody who likes to put God on third shelf of your life. You're not somebody who, who, who has a neat little place for God. No, you, you know that you know that you know. You have wisdom, knowledge of Him. He can wake you up in the middle of the night and you'll hit your knees. You're somebody that can discern when the enemy's fighting. You're somebody who can pray for somebody and you can help them in faith to see God for the powerful God he is. And you can help them to pray through all the way to healing and deliverance and restoration. It's a place where, where spiritual connection with heaven and earth comes together. Things change. Things transform. Things happen. It's a deep place. It's, it's not for the average person. You can't get there on your own. You have to know the word and you have to have prayer life. You can't stumble in. You can't just get in on mama. You can't get in because granny has got a prayer life. You can't get in there because somebody's telling you about it. It's something that's hidden from all of those folks. It's something that you have to discover for yourself. And oh my goodness, when you do, it is so amazing. It is unbelievable. You can't compare it to anything else on life. You know why people get die hard? You know why people get to the place where they, they just cannot breathe without God? They can't live without God? They're not satisfied? You, you know why they get that place? Because they have discovered the fountain. They've discovered this well. They've discovered the living waters that he said, when you drink this, you'll never, ever thirst again. When you truly understand and know that you've moved past experiencing God, you've move past a knowledge of God. A lot of people know things. Know about things. Somebody says, do you know President Trump? Sure I do. I know. I recognize him walking into a room. I've heard him speak enough that I could tell you, I could hear him talking, and I'd say, that's President Trump. I know all about him. I really know all about Olivia Newton-John. I know them. I know you. I know my neighbors. Sister Elva back there. Sister Elva, I was blessed the other day at the hospital when you were sitting by Brother Daly's bedside. And I heard how many years y'all been married. Somebody made the comment, I, I think it was actually Brother Daly who said, 
we know each other. We know each other. 68 years, almost 69 years. They know that they know that they know that they know that they know. And boy, we're praying for you. We love you. And we're so sorry. We're sorry because, wow, what a man of God. But nobody knew that better than you. You knew him in the morning. You knew him in the evening. You knew him for 68 years of your married life. And you knew that he was exactly who he says he was. I love reading his journal and his daughter Sandy put so many little notes about him. And he was the real deal. They knew it because they knew him. They knew him. Paul says, I pray without ceasing that you would know him better. Better than just a casual experience. Better than just an encounter. Better than just kind of, you know, staying good enough. Knowing him to where you plunge all in, complete surrender. So you know that you know that you know that you know. The old song says, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care. He bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief by the return of the sweet hour of prayer. I wrote all this down. I've got so much here about the eyes of the heart and that I wrote. That's down. I'm not going to read it, but the question was asked to an old preacher said do you know him and he started writing and he said the bible says my king is the king of the jews he's the king of israel he's the king stand with me and that means i'll shut it down he's the king of israel he's the king of righteousness he's the king of the ages he's the king of the heaven he's the king of glory he's the king of kings and he's lord of lords that's my king i wonder do you know him my king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define. He's limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology, and I can't stop now. My question is, do you know him? He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him. He supplies strength to the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and guides. He heals the sick and cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I ask you, do you know him? And he went on and on and on. And he said, Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yet that's my king. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? Paul said, I never stopped praying for you to know him. To know him better. Know him better. Know him in the deep place. The secret place. I'm telling you, it'll turn your life upside down. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if there's somebody here today that would say, I want to I wanna pray to be right with God in this service. I want to pray for the Lord to be my Savior. I want to give Him everything I am. I need Him to be my Lord. If you're here today and you need to pray that prayer with me, would you just slip up your hand and write back down? God bless you. Amen. That's an answer to prayer right there. Anybody else? I need to pray that prayer. We've had, we have one. Is there anyone else? I want to pray that prayer to be right with the Lord today. Pastor, I want to be right with Jesus. All right. We're going to pray this prayer for 
the one who's lifted their hands. And I'm so thankful. I want you to help us today as we pray this prayer. And in the prayer itself, it's just a guide. This looks like the Lord's Prayer. It's just a model to help you to get through. You mean it with all of your heart, and it goes straight to the throne. But let's pray it together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. You are the Son of God. You came to the earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. Now be Lord of my life. I give it all to you. I surrender. So help me to be strong, to live every day for you until you come for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for our people. I pray for me. I pray for our staff. I pray for our congregants. I pray for our church, Lord. Stir within us a hunger such as we've never had before to see you and to know you in a deeper way than we ever dreamed was possible. Touch us, Lord. I believe that you are moving in our lives. You're touching us in our history. And, Lord, we're looking. We'll look back on this day and this season, this time, and we'll be thankful for where you've taken us. Lord, we're ready to go. Touch today. Minister strength and healing. Restore hearts and renew and refresh and revive. Help us to seek you in the deep place, in the knowing place. And I thank you for it today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 Let's appreciate the Lord for that message. Appreciate our pastor. Real quick before you go, if you are new to our church, we are having a meet and greet down to the left in the new corridor into the bookstore. If you're new to our church today or the last couple of weeks, we want to invite you to come down and check in with the pastor. Also, we want to remind you that this uh, coming up uh, here in the next few days and in just a few weeks, we're going to have those singers from Lee that we talked about last week. We're still looking for some housing, so if you want to contact the church volunteer to uh, bring somebody into your home or a $50 uh, sponsorship for one of the kids to have a, a hotel spot. We also want to remind you of these connection cards that are in your pews. There's all kinds of different stuff on them, uh, especially information if you're new to our church. There's also a place that if you're having surgery, somebody that you want us to visit, somebody you, you know, we want to connect with you and make sure that we take care of you. You can also make a marking on there. We can do that. And Brother Jones wanted me to uh, let you know about the Smoky Mountain Gathering, Reaching a Jubilee Generation. This is for our, our heritage ministry here at our church on April the 30th through May the 2nd. They're taking a big trip down there, and if you'd like to be a part of that, you can check in with Brother Jones. The cost of the trip is $250 for the whole weekend, and uh, you only have to pay for four meals, and the rest is all included. If you're interested in that, you want to get with him. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and uh, we will see you very soon. God bless you.